Welcome to the Super Expander Podcast. My name is Corrine Phelps, your host. I'm a business and growth coach, money mindset expert, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. My journey has taken me all over from working in finance to owning a boutique fitness studio. I found myself burnt out, miserable, and questioning everything. Saying things to myself like, there's got to be more to life than this. Refusing to settle for a mediocre existence, I went all in, learning how to harness untapped potential and rewire the subconscious mind to create an extraordinary life. The last 10 years have been a crash course in self-love, building a business, creating community, building wealth, and doing what it takes to just freaking go for it. My mission is to help you align to your purpose, Rewire your subconscious to support your big dreams and vision and create a life that you're absolutely obsessed with. So sit back, tune in, and prepare to expand. I'm so excited to share with you today, Kimberly Valerie. She is one of my favorite human beings. She truly has an amazing story and she continues to just surprise me and blow me away at how open she is at sharing her story, her vulnerability, and all of the wisdom she has to share. Kimberly went from being homeless to being a millionaire, and she shares shamelessly what it takes to really shift paradigms, expand, and create a life that you love. Welcome back to the Super Expander Podcast. How are you doing, my loves? How are you doing? So excited. We have one of my favorite human beings here on on the podcast today. So warm welcome to Kimberly Valerie. Oh, thank you, Corey. Um, Yeah, I'm really kind of, I'm really very honored to be here and to spend some time with you and your audience just talking shop about like expansion. I mean, your the name of your podcast when you first came out with it, I was like, oh, that's the word I use everywhere. <laughs> that's the branding. I I went with edge instead of expander because but that's <laughs> so I knew back then I was like, yeah, this Corey's in my vibe. Yeah, my vibe. totally, totally in the vibe. So uh, that's funny because the name of the the podcast came from a a breathwork session legitimately from a breathwork session in the midst of the hypno breathwork certification. And I mean, you know, I know, and I think probably I've like worn this out on the podcast. Anybody that listens regularly knows that like, if you, if something comes to breath, it's just, you're doing it right. It's it's <laughs> yeah, it's written. It is written. Then you just need to do the thing. Absolutely. So a little bit of context for everyone here listening. So Kimberly and I met originally in a mastermind. I don't, I don't even know how long ago now. It feels like another lifetime ago. Yeah. A few years ago now, I think the first, first round and there's been just so many different synergies and parallels along the way we have shared multiple different, um, like trainings that we have gone through, I think not necessarily always at the same time, but yeah, that's weird. Right. Just kind yeah. of in that same, yeah. In that same vibe, but different times like our, yeah. Yeah. And we both are, I think pretty much serial entrepreneurs, which means there's something that courses through our veins that makes us, I don't know. Is that like glutton for punishment? I'm not even sure. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, why are we, why are my husband and I always wanting to like kind of chart our own course and do our own thing. Cause sometimes that comes with a lot of like, mm, you got a lot of uncertainty. You're like a lot of risk. Like, yeah. But then but it's I like, think couldn't have it any other way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I always say I came out of the womb pretty much un like I'm unemployable. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend say that when I asked her why she was an entrepreneur, she said, because she has horrible employment skills. She has absolutely no skills. Yeah. And, well, and she's okay, a terrible so I, employee. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I have skills, like I, I have employable skills, but mostly it's that I don't want anyone telling me what to do, when to do, or how to do it. And of course, I don't want anyone capping my income. So let's like, right? does that resonate? Yeah, it's like capping your income, but for me it was really because I've had I've had paid employment, I've worked corporately. Um, it's stifling whatever 
you know, whatever kind of energy is moving in that phase of my life or what the next thing is, it's that stifling of expression. And it's really funny because I never, ever considered myself a creative person ever. I'm the least creative. I'm not artistic. Um, I don't color. I don't draw. I don't design. I don't, I'm not super musical. Like I'm not really, I wouldn't consider myself traditionally creative. What I've come to understand over my lifetime being that I'm older now and now you have time and history and you can see all those things is that is my creativity that's what makes me an entrepreneur at heart it's that ability or need to always be in a creative state a creative and expansive state so then I get to that place and then I'm there for a while and then I'm like all right I'm satisfied now now let's get expand some more. Let's create. So being in paid employment, although I was a great employee and brought a lot of value to employers, I found would find that it stifled me eventually. Yeah. So you truly are creative because uh, problem solving requires creative thinking, creative skills, right? And I think that that's. I mean, entrepreneurship is is just solving problems. (laughs) It's just solving problems, right? It's really solving problems over and over again and loving it. It's loving actually being faced with the challenge of solving the problem. Yeah. And this is, this is what, this is my, it's kind of my, it's my thing. I love doing that. That I love, whether it's in a crisis moment, I spent 15 years doing crisis management. So whether it's in the moment on, in the, on the fly with really like a lot at stake or whether it's, you know, a really thought out full strategy and looking at potential um, conflicts, problems, right. Threats, weaknesses, that kind of stuff. And then, and, and I really have this, uh, this optimistic, there is an answer and a solution for everything. In fact, I think Corey, you and I, you know, I reached out as I was working through some conflict or trying to negotiate a deal and, um, one of the things you said is that if everybody, if all the parties involved have the same desire, you will find an outcome, right? And that truly is, right? So I always, there's, I don't know is never an answer. Yeah, it's like, I love that. I don't know right now. Give me some time. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much, I think that's something that a, a principle I adopt all the time. It's like, I don't, I don't really take no for an answer. I will be like, okay, it might be a no for now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly uh, it. Yes, it's, it's the tenacity. I think that's a part of entrepreneurship too, which really brings me, so I, I know you're an entrepreneur to, to your core, it's in your DNA. But I would I would love to know or love for really for you to share with all of the super expander listeners who you are deep down at your core, at your essence. Who is Kimberly? I love this question. When this comes up, I'm like, I don't know. Like, you want my childhood trauma or my favorite colors? Like (laughs) (laughs) what how how do we how do where do we zone in? But who I think who am I at my very core is I am a nurturer. I believe it or not, I don't have any plants. I'm not like, I don't nurture like, yeah. Anyway, I'm a nurturer. I'm a mother, um, but I'm an expander. I'm like an evolver. This is just what I do in my whole life. It doesn't matter what area of my life, not, not just in business. And it's how I see the world. It's how I move through the world. Um, And so what happens is no matter what experience is going on for me or my family, that's where I'm always taken to. So I'm always in this space of creation, excitement, evolution, um, and really I'm a very optimistic person, even considering some of the shit I've been through. I mean, I've worked for 15 years with the horrible, horrible things that humans do to people, to kids right? I've seen some really, I've, I've been a victim of some really nasty, nasty humans. And, um, and still I have this, like this optimistic, it's not, I'm not rosy glasses, but like, uh, excitement and optimism that humans really have just like an untapped potential. And that's really who I am and how I live. 
so uh, as you're as you're speaking here, a couple of things came up for me. One is that you just described yourself as a creator, which is funny because you just few few sentences a few moments ago were saying how you aren't creative. So that right. just has has my wheels turning there, but. <laughs> And this is me just planting seeds, making making an observation, <laughs> because you truly, actually, deep down, know that you are creative. So, I guess what's the disconnect there? And that's for you to to maybe just well. Know. So that's mm. what that's why I was saying like earlier. Like I would have never described myself as a creative. And now, over the last, especially the last few years, as I've peeled parts of me and the conditioned parts of me away, and allowed. Um, just the sitting into the full expansion, I now recognize that as being a creator. Ah, so that's actually been part of the self-discovery process is really revealing that you, you are a creative. And, and that's really been, I think that that's really been dialed in, in the last like four to six months, really like understanding my human design understanding where I'm at in my life cycle, uh, because then I have the benefit of looking behind me to see how I've expressed myself and how I've moved through life in the Mm -hmm. different areas. And um, really being able to embrace all of that and, and step into it and then just like wear it. Oh, love, love, love that. So I also, as you were describing yourself, talking about sort of the hard things that you have experienced, um, you've been a victim of or is situation. How is it that that you were a victim of terrible things, yet you don't have a victim mentality? You maintain optimism. What is, is there a secret that that you've explored or that something that allows you to continuously step into optimism? You know, that's a good question, Corey, because it's not, it's not like one thing that creates that optimism. Yes. I had, you know, periods of time in my life where I was acting out or um, maybe not coping well with the, you know, um, consequences of experiencing some things, but I think because I'm a I I think because I, I was a firstborn, I'm a twin, and we're we're the firstborn to my mom, family of five. She has five kids, and she was a very young mom, and it was a it was a free for all. Like you you, it was like literally Darwinism in our house, right? Survival of the fittest, right? And so you you learned what well, we did. Um, our five siblings, or me and my four siblings, learned really that the world is our oyster. We just have to go get it. So the, the kind of scrappier or tougher or uh, more resilient, um, is it resilience or yeah, that you are the more likely you will be to succeed. And so it kind of is, I think it was kind of ingrained in me in that I did have, you know, as a younger, uh, kind of in my early mid twenties, I had some pretty big spiritual moments that were attached to forgiveness with my mom specifically uh, in regards to a particular incident to help heal our relationship as a mother daughter. Um, And so, you know, just constantly in that kind of personal growth and evolution and knowing from a young age that I didn't want a lifestyle like my childhood. And so I think that's what started, but as you start to kind of experience success, you start to see, oh, this is fun. So out of my four other siblings, the majority of them were addicts and had traditional, I call traditional acting out when you come from a lifestyle of childhood of abuse and addiction and all that. So like there was drug and alcohol abuse extreme that led to really disastrous conditions. I never had that experience and it was always very bizarre. I never had toxic relationships. Um, in like intimate relationships, I was never a drug and alcohol um, addict, but my addiction became in, in high performance in achieving and succeeding. And that created that. And I just kept going on that. And that really was that, that kind of builds that optimism because you have all these good experiences. 
Yeah, it's wow. I always think it's so fascinating how you can have like when you look at family dynamics, right? Multiple children, sibling situation, and how you both were in the same environment, essentially, and how the outcomes, the perception and the lens with which you see the world can be so different from your, your siblings. I I just, it's so so wild. I don't, I don't think that it will ever stop fascinating me. I know because it is, it truly is. Yeah. It's really, it's just, it's the craziest thing. So your addiction became high performance. So let's go there. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about a little bit. Obviously there's lots of pros of that, but right. Society society rewards us for this. Absolutely. But so what what are the cons or what were the cons for you? Because there is, there's a toll. High performance takes a toll. I I just like what might my shtick. I love working with high performers. I love coaching them. I love talking to them because they're like literally my people. But it's, I think, rarely spoken about the the negative sides of that, the toll that it takes on yourself emotionally, spiritually, all the things. Physically. Physically. Yeah. So this is, and this has really been, the last five years has been an unpacking of this particular behavior. um, Because through my adult life, again, like I said, I would just be like, okay, so I've done this now. Okay, so that's good. Now let's go on to the next, you know, the next, the next, and I would just continue. But what happens is society starts rewarding you when you start a comp when you come from a background like me. I mean, I'm a street kid. And if you get me with my siblings, we turn into like, street kids. (laughs) We're like, (laughs) we have a foul mouth. I want to come to that party. (laughs) We're loud. We're all the all the things, right? In fact, one time we were at my brother's, my twins, and I was visiting with them and we were getting all worked up and his neighbor the next day said, who is that female with that foul mouth? <laughs> He's like, oh, that was my sister. <laughs> so we do have, we were like this. So people, when they see where I came from, they're always like, oh my God, how did, like, how did that happen? How did you go? Because I think they expect low, uh, like um, families to not do well, you know, as right. But what ends up happening is as you start to experience these positives the first positive thing this is where I call it my first hit okay I'll I'll go here so I call it my first hit so um a little bit of a trigger warning for your listeners um so when I was 13 I was brutally beaten almost killed by my mother's boyfriend oh yeah it was like that's what I mean like it he's a monster was a monster I don't know if he's still alive he murdered and raped and robbed our neighbor he beat, raped, and robbed another senior citizen. Like he, oh he God. is a monster and he almost killed me. I was 13 and I was hospitalized for a while. And then I was of course not allowed to go back home, but I had siblings at home that stayed there and makes no sense. Can't even to this day, to this day. So now that was when I was 13. I'm no longer 13 for those that are listening. I'm 55. So it's a, <laughs> a lot of years ago. <laughs> um, my mom is still alive and she has dementia. And to this day, when we talk about that situation, because my mom was there sitting at the kitchen table, they were both very intoxicated, her part, her and her partner. Um, and she watched the whole thing. And at some point she finally called the ambulance and she will tell you to this day, she said it then she said it, you know, not that we talked about it a lot, but we've talked about it frequently throughout the course of our, you know, relationship. Um, she said that that saved my life. That's how she saved my life. That was her participation in keeping me alive was actually calling an ambulance for me. And very recently, she said to me, she said, the day, the moment I brought him home, I knew that he was going to kill you one day. I knew it. I knew it in my soul, in my gut, not the others, but you. So she said, it was never my intention to have you back in our home. And those are, yeah, I know, right? It seems like it's, that's what I mean. It's a bit of a trigger warning, but this is, she meet, and I say this and I share this not to like freak people out, but for people to see her perspective at the time, you know, she's young mom with her own stuff and addictions and mental health and all that kind of stuff. She really thought she was saving my life. Right. Wow. So all of that had happened. And so what happens is you get a social worker because I'm no longer, of course, in the care of my parents. They give you a temporary guardian and you have to go to court. And so 
you go to court every year or whatever, and the social worker tells the judge all about you. And this was my first hit, my first hit of what happens when you do good and people notice. So my social worker is telling the judge all about how well I do in school and I'm such a good kid and, you know, I'm doing great in school and I'm really embarrassed. And I remember this still. I'm really embarrassed. I'm like, why are you telling him this stuff? And he says, I have to tell him because he very rarely sees good things in the system, right? Usually it's delinquents, right? My brother was one of them. Usually it's childhood delinquents that's showing up in the court system, that kind of stuff. Uh, he said, so you're kind of one of a kind right? We don't get very many of you. And the judge gave me accolations. He addressed me, told me what a great job I was doing, how I had a great future ahead of me. Now, this is a man with prestige and positioning. He's up here. Literally, he's presiding over top of the rest of us, right? Yeah. And it was then that I realized the. it started to fill me up because, of course, as a young person who went through this kind of uh, tumultuous and um, toxic childhood. This was the first time I've been seen, acknowledged, right? And so this was the first hit. I was like, oh, this feels good. This feels good to get this kind of acknowledgement, to be seen, to be validated. And that really started the process of me seeking validation, seeking uh, reward, seeking being seen, but I did it through success and achievement not through destruction addiction not the what i call the typical or traditional way and uh it separated me from my siblings because they all thought oh kimmy she's just too good for us right they started to get kind of like well mostly my sister not so much the brothers always the girl thing <laughs> absolutely <laughs> don't even get me started on the sisters that's a whole nother pop anyway so that really started the, the desire and the need and the drive. But that was, remember, now I can articulate all that now and connect all that now. But back then, I didn't see all that. Back then, yeah. I didn't see, right? You just, you, just start, you just start doing the thing. Oh, that felt good. That felt good. And then you start doing more. And then all of a sudden, people are saying how great you are. And you're like, yeah, I am fucking great. I can do it. And then you start believing it, right? So then you up your challenge, you up your goals. You're like, wait a sec. You know, I went, I, I got married state. I had some entrepreneurial experience or um, yeah, uh, experiences for a few years. And then I got married and I quit everything, gave up a million dollar a year job, all that stuff, stayed home, homeschooled my kids, became Susie Homemaker, did all that kind of stuff for 20 years. And then as I started back to school and getting some more formal education, that's when I started to really start to expand. Like, yeah, I could do this stuff. I could do things that I choose to do. I'm smart enough now. I understand. I've got the confidence. And it's because you just start doing things and gaining that confidence. And then you start getting the accolades. People are like, oh, look at you. You came from nothing and now you're here. Like, you're like, and then it just, it keeps, it just keeps, um, it's like there's the a energy. compound effect. Yeah, it just, and then, which is fine. So then here I am now in my 40s. My 40s were my best. I loved my 40s. For those of listening that are a aging into their 40s and freaking the fuck out, best years of our my life. And um, uh, so 40s, I by then I, I own two companies. I am still working um, in uh, for the government, but very in a highly specialized position. I'm doing contract work, not for profit, helping them expand. I'm training for Ironmans. Like, you know, my life is full. I got a great family. I got grandkids. Like everything is just like, and people would often say to me like, oh my, how do you do so much? Why are you doing so much? You need to meditate. You need to slow down. I would roll my fucking eyes. I would give them the finger nicely because usually they're the people that are close to me. And I, I just could not understand how sitting still would create more experience for me, would create, you know, would optimize my experiences, like my life. Like, I don't understand. I like, and then I would just chalk it up to, you know, those people just being less motivated or less inspired, right? Like it was a them thing, but here's what was happening behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, what was happening is I was starting to have a lot of metabolic issues physically. I spent 
mm, eight years doing endurance training for Ironmans. I spent however many years before that running weight training. I went, did a stint in CrossFit for a number of years. Um, always really. So with this physical uh, demand, as well as all the other things going on. And now remember, I thought I was pretty fucking smart. I'd already worked out my shit, my childhood stuff with my mom. I was in relationship with all my family. You know, I wasn't, you know, I, I thought I, I thought I, yeah, I thought I, I was, I thought I was so cocky. Oh my God. When I look back at me now, <laughs> um, but then, um, and so I started to have these physical things going on. Sorry. I don't mean to get so long on my story. No, I, I love it. To, Keep I started going. to have these physical things going on in the background that I was trying to address with functional medicine, natural medicine, all that kind of stuff, uh, metabolic kind of disorder. So I was having extreme hot flashes, lots of um, weight gain, poor sleep, all the things associated with a dysregulated nervous system <laughs> right but um still was so much in denial and that's why i call it an addiction that high performance and i you know you work with a lot of high performers even pro athletes high performers anybody that's working in, in an extreme way there's something they're working out 100 <laughs> percent. like there just is i just I can now see that behind every high performer determination, like extreme hard worker, there is something on the other side of that somewhere. And it's not to say it's a bad thing, but it, it does, it does come to a head somewhere. It always energy and pressure always will like blow. It just does. And your nervous system can only take so much. And so for me, so the denial was really being in denial of the impact of um, unresolved trauma. And it wasn't that, that the relationship wasn't resolved. Like I had resolved the relationship with my mom and all that. The unresolved piece was like the not being seen or validated and growing up in a childhood where I wasn't loved the way I needed to be all those things. It's the impact of those things over your lifetime. They started get, they start to get bigger and bigger, but you become less uh, sensitive to it. So you become deaf. And so that's the denial It's really being in that denial pace. And then for me, the intervention, like, you know, you know, when they do with addicts, they have actual, my intervention was cancer. So at 50 years old, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And yeah, so those lesson, right. It's like the universe taps you, then it punches you, gives you a yeah. swift kick in the pants. And then it's like, let me just take this two by four. And we'll just and take you right out of the fucking game. <laughs> I tried to tell you before yeah. and all that. And when you, you get hit with the two by four and all this side, you're like, all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, there was that sign. No, there was that sign. Yeah. Oh, yep. And that one too. <laughs> but I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a tough girl. I'm like, no, that's still like, I mean, the minute you get diagnosed with cancer, people start fucking giving you books on meditation and yoga, like they're sending me tracks and videos and books. I'm like, oh, and again, I was still in this rejection. So it really, truly, if you think of the show intervention, my process was very similar. I still, even though I was, you know, I had, my body was physically different. I had gone through horrible, you know, treatment and, and consequences for or side effects from treatment. And it, <laughs> one of my dear friends is a clinical trauma therapist. And I remember sitting on my couch one day with her saying, you know, cause she's like, you know, people always have these like aha moments through cancer and journeys and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, listen, I had a good fucking life. I don't know what kind of aha moment they're supposed to be. <laughs> I don't know how life could get any better. I fucking had a good life. Like I still remember. Oh my God. I still remember. In fact, my lawyer had said that to me. He's like, oh, you know what? My wife had breast cancer 20 years ago and we have a way better life now. And I thought, what a stupid thing to say. He's trying to give you some like consolation on the other side of this. There was a rainbow. Yeah. You, you, like were, you, you had given up lovingly giving the finger. And this was just like, I'm straight going for it now. <laughs> I was just like, that's what I mean. I was kicking and fighting. I didn't understand. And it really, you know, so that really was the intervention. Even though some people would consider that the healing, that really was the intervention. Because then the healing comes. I have a question for you. Have you joined the Super Expander free mentorship community? 
If not, what are you waiting for? Stop what you're doing right now and text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. Text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. I send out weekly tips and inspiration to help you grow your business, to step into your wealthiest, most highest self, to harness your full potential and live an exceptional and extraordinary life. And the best part is it's really me sending those messages. So text me, say hello, and send me your questions. Then it's about like the unpacking because I was literally taken. I had two businesses that were running and I had to quit the contract work. I had just quit in the actual um, specialized work just like months before, actually, I think it was maybe that summer before. And so, you know, how do I, how do I do all those things that, and that's when I learned. And then, and then my, you know, I was training for the Austria Ironman during that time when I was diagnosed. And then it became, so what happened is I became so desperate. How do I, that's where I realized I was so desperate to have those things going in my life that I didn't know how to be anything without those. Mm. That's why I started to know, I started to notice and started to do some of the work. Oh, right like that. this is the unpacking right and so i am still as ambitious today and i still have a tendency i'm a recovering i'm not recovered i'm a recovering high performer i still have a tendency to get into that um vibrational state it's an energy it's an your nervous system gets in this I, it's hard to explain it because i and corin you might understand it there's like this physiological energy when you have a dysregulated nervous system at least for me that buzzes so tightly that if you were like to flick it it would just like crumble but you don't notice it right it becomes just the noise in the background and so for me now over these last few years is really truly understanding when my nervous system is getting dysregulated that is my silent partner that's when I know uh, I'm in the wrong energy so I think that what you're describing is it's essentially, it's like a form of hyper vigilance, which is what, when we're in that high performance mentality, and that's what you have to be in because what the, the biggest fear, I think inside of high performance oftentimes, or one of the biggest fears is there's this almost an undercurrent of um, self-trust that it actually isn't there, right? It's like, if I stop and take a break, will I keep going? Mm-hmm. And so there's this actual, like, I'm not going to stop because I'm not sure if I stop, I'll keep going. Cause you're in, you know, how hard it is, all of the stuff that you're doing, but you've now desensitized yourself to it. And you know, if you just stop for a moment, all of the magnitude of the discomfort, the pain, the hardness is going to hit you like a ton of bricks. And you're just not sure if you'll be able to maintain and that's exactly, and you know, that's the thing, because as I healed, I have a healer to get all woo-woo. I do have a particular healer that that started uh, a train of um, understanding and depth to my healing that I hadn't experienced before. And after about eight months, I went back to her and I said, you know what? Uh, I'm mad now because I can't run anymore. I have no desire to run. I have I had been running for in fact, I would tell people that the, and I'm not, I'm not like my physical body is not um, a runner's body. It's not, it's not what I'm built for weightlifting. I'm short, I'm strong. I have short limbs, like all that, right. I'm like dense that way. I'm not, I don't have this long lean body, but I ran for 20 years and I would tell people that would be the only way that I could spend the physiological energy that built in me in a day that was the only way I could burn it off and sleep at night so then you know whatever years later I'm going through this really kind of deep cellular transformational healing and that is no longer burning in me and you know why because it was associated so when I talked about being beaten when I was 13 years old I was um, dragged out of my bed in the middle of the night so sleep disruption and the need to get away are very core uh, instincts for me. 
And that wow. really was what I was out running, right? For all those years, always trying to make sure I was prepared. Yeah. Take off if I needed to. And a sleep disruption. I always considered myself a light sleeper. I never really thought anything of it until, again, connecting, you know, trauma in the middle of the night. So if there's a noise that goes off in the middle of the night, I'm up like a shot, right? And I'm like, I'm up and ready to take action. It's not like that anymore. I'm like, whew. Now, now, now I'm good, but it's just in discovering all that. And so the, the thing that was really pushing me in some of that physical high performance stuff, which really burned my body out was unresolved trauma and not understanding how that connected to my current state of reality, even though I would say I was unaffected by it. I really wasn't. It was really (sighs) hidden. Right. Yeah, we're ne- we're never not affected, right? Because trauma really is what it does is it freezes us in the past, but it's has that it, it that moment gets frozen from the past, but it's actually in your future, and you just keep replaying it over, and it's like what di- dictates your future until you get out of it, until somewhere somehow that moment comes when whether it's you know you got whacked on the the head with a two by four whether whatever it happens to be yeah and yeah it's this loop that plays now I'll give you one other example of a loop that played for 15 years that I was unaware of remember I said I thought I was very smart I had already worked through my shit I knew all you know blah 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 because I was a trained social worker I actually went to school to understand human behavior to understand communication to understand how humans change and then I worked in that for 15 years But guess where I landed? I landed in a child protection agency where I then was now in charge of protecting children who were uh, um, uh, vulnerable for uh, abuse and neglect, right? And so it kind of makes sense because I was a kid that was abused, like that I would end up like in this. So this makes sense to me. I was like, okay, I get it. I get how this would be something that I would be drawn to. But here's what happened inside of that career. I was great at it. I, it was 100% me. I, I very quickly became the kind of most valuable employee. I became a supervisor. I became head of um, specialized units. I received esteem again. This is all feeding that addict in me, right? But the nature of the job was so perfectly aligned for me people would be like like my colleagues and stuff were like holy like it's like you were born for this and it really was I really this was I was in flow and I was like thinking yeah this is great and all that here's what happened during my healing this healing period where I went really dark and deep so again going back to that 13 year old who was removed from her home I had a I have a younger sister who was still at home during that time. She's five years younger than me. So she was eight. What happened was a couple of weeks after I had healed and gone into my group home. And when I was back to kind of normal, I was terrified for her because of course I had just about died in this home and my young sister is still there. And so I went to her school and stole her from school and brought her back to my group home. Right. Adorable. Right. Of course, I'm not allowed to keep her. I'm 13. (laughs) So the, she's not, it's not like it's a doll. So the police are called and she's returned back to my mom's care. Now, fast forward, I'm in my fifties. I'm going through super deep healing, cellular level healing, subconscious. I'm starting to really understand the power that all of that is holding. And my, the healer gal says to me, tell me what happened when you were 13. And I was like, oh, here we go again. And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Right. And she goes, no, no, no not about that. Tell me about your sister. And I was like, I, that caught my attention. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, well, what happened with your sister? And now I'm laying on a table. She's standing, she's an acupuncturist. She's standing behind me. She has no idea what's going on in my head. And in that moment, my subconscious was able to reveal this powerful, powerful loop that I had been playing for 15 years. For 15 years, I had been protecting and apprehending children, saving them, trying to fill that, complete that loop from when I was 13, trying to save my sister. Mm. That showed up in my career and I was good at my career. I was, it was like that my subconscious had created the entire, well, it was the entire filter for what needed to be 
in order for me to have that loop being fed and met. And it wasn't until cancer that kind of like created a wobble in that loop that I was able to finally get some real deep insight into how those experiences really did color how I viewed the world and how I was showing up and the experiences and the meanings and all that. And that just like that, that became my awakening now. So you see how I go through, went through denial, the healing or the intervention, the healing, and then the awakening. And so that's really how the last five years have kind of rolled out in my wow. evolution. And as I've done that, I've been able to step fully more into this expansive, uh, entrepreneurial, um, optimistic, excited state, because it's like being born again. Wow. Such a story, like such a wild, wild ride, crazy story. So a couple of things as I'm like sitting here, I was like, you've, are you right? Going to write a book? I feel like you need to write a book. I have a few chapters written. I have attempted to make it an intention over the last year. Um, but like, you know, you probably you understand sometimes things happen and your intention gets put aside. And so this, I, ha I haven't intentionally created space because the uh, object of the book, like the point has changed a couple of times. So I think so that's a, I feel that's a book a, coming, whether it may not be conceived fully yet, but I feel like your story must be told <laughs> like seeing you on stages. Maybe you need to do a Ted talk. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. No joke. I mean, that is, that's a, that's a crazy serious story. And what I also see that's so powerful about it is how your healing journey so much, like there's like, you're able to see the connection to all of those things very specifically in like each phase, which I feel like that is so powerful for other people to see because it's, we as humans so often learn by example. So it's like, wait, hold on. Now there's this almost like a template for people to see how their lives fit into that in terms of like, because we all carry trauma, right? If you, if you were yeah. a child, if you were a child, yes. you, you have trauma, right? <laughs> yeah. We all, if you were born into this world yeah. and you're a human being, we, you've you have experienced trauma. something. Yeah. It might not be as like, yeah. Yeah, but we do. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like that's a, just a powerful way for people to see and perceive and understand and how much good that that would do for, for the world and how many people would really gain from your wisdom and, and your knowledge. And I'm also sitting here thinking that inside of this really powerful story that is your life, there had to have been some super expanders that have come along the way. I'm yes. sure more than even one. So I'd love for you to share a, a story, uh, your super expander, like your favorite one or your, the one I that you I, think okay, is good. I have two that come to mind. Um, and one is my social worker from when I was a kid. He really was a super expander for me because he was able to show me, I think he was the first person I had come into contact with that had like a career that had like a job. Because remember, I came from this childhood. My parents were addicts. They were, my dad was no longer, was no, not in the picture then. My mom lived off the system. Like there was no like role modeling of work and career and like all that kind of stuff. So he was really an expander in that sense because I, and I still can see in my mind's eye, like the pictures, like of him working in the office environment and him having specific roles and um, being a uh, expander in what a healthy male looks like in, but in my limited vision, like not in relation like in relationship but really so that was number one that would first and foremost and I kept in contact with him for years uh, like right up until I was probably in my 30s um and then the other one is my husband and this is really interesting because one of the things um one one uh, there's a few things but one of the things that really will impact your ability to grow expand build wealth, be fully expressive is of course your intimate partners. Who you choose as an intimate partner is just as important as how you structure your business or finances. Like 
they really can make or break you. And over the, we've been married for 29 years. We are a blended family. Um, we've run uh, family businesses. He has, you know, we have all kinds of different dynamics and stuff. And the one thing about that man is when we met and married, we eloped. Okay. We had four kids. I had one biological, he had three. Um, he'd been divorced for three years and um, we just jumped into life. Now, I don't necessarily would recommend other people doing it the same way we did, but it has had some positive, it has a positive outcome. <laughs> we knew each other for like three months. We had four kids who were like, okay, we're either going to do this thing and do it all the way to the end. <laughs> anyway, um, but why he was an, ex or is still an expander for me is because through all of my own growing and seeking and personal development and all of that process, he was always 100% supportive and confident in whatever it is I needed to be expressing at that time. He never, his ego never got threatened that I was going to become more than him or that I was going to leave him in the dust or leave him to take care of other things or he was going to miss out he never had this like he's never had this like FOMO kind of like I see this a lot especially in younger couples nowadays where one can't have different experiences than the other because then the other's being left behind and so in inside of having that confidence from him allowed me to really be fully expressive and do all the things right because he he would always be even even now to this day, he gets a little scared sometimes of my entrepreneurial dreams. It's a little like, and he's like, I know, I I know, I I know that if it's in you, it's for you, and it will come to pass, and you will, we will make it happen. And you, know, he's a great partner, so he really has been a super expander in in all those ways. Because there is only one time when his ego got in the way. This is a really funny story, if you don't mind, just a couple minutes. Yeah, one, I, I love it. Keep going. One time when his ego got in the way, um, I had started training with a group of athletes to do my first Ironman. So for, you know, it's a lot of hours away, it's swimming, biking, and running. And it's like 25 hours a week of training. It's a lot, right? So every Saturday and Sunday, I was gone from the house and I was with this group of people. And they range from like you know, old agers like me to like the elite. Right. And so spending a lot of time away from home and <laughs> in this triathlon group. And then one day, all of a sudden he's like, my husband is not an athlete. He's very athletic, but he's never been into athlete, into, into sports stuff. And he goes, um, I think I'm going to join your triathlon group. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, I'm going to join your triathlon group. I said, no, you're not. No. This is my thing. And he goes, no, he goes, you're spending a lot of time away. And so I figure like, it's a good thing for us to be together. Right. So I'm going to join you and be part of this experience. I was like, so I was telling my coach and my team, and they all think that this is just so sweet. And I'm freaking out. I feel I'm like, no, this is not this is like ridiculous. He doesn't have any interest in swimming or biking or running like he doesn't even own running shoes. That guy went out, he bought the whole entire kit, like the, the triathlon club kit, the jacket, the shorts, the shirt, he bought a bike. He paid fees. He came on one bike ride, went on one swim, and then quit. You had to have known that was going to happen, though, right? You were like, I'm not going to fight this. We're just going to let this take oh care of itself. God. I laughed so hard. I was like, what was that about? And he goes, well, I figured you were hanging around with a ton of men in specs. I was like, oh, so is that your ego kind of in the way? He's like, yeah, but you know what? You fucking go for it. <laughs> if you're gonna leave me for some guy in spandex well i guess that's what's gonna happen that's what's gonna happen i do not yeah. want to run bike or swim no thank you <laughs> anyway that's really the only time his ego has ever really showed up in a way that was really quite i was quite i was quite like pissed off my my uh fellow um, teammates thought it was beautiful and he anyway that's <laughs> other than that like he truly has been my expander that's such a great story. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like it, I hope you got some pictures like in the whole kit, right? It had to yeah, go down. I think in the we have like one or two. He's That's now my great. Sherpa. He now carries all my 
stuff. He'll uh, he's like, I will follow you around the world uh, and carry your bike when you're done and bring you food. But I am not doing that again. That is so good. I love that. Oh my gosh. So the lesson inside of that is marry, marry your super expensive. Yes. <laughs> As it turns out. I love that though. I actually think that that is actually a great, some great advice, right? Making sure that one of the super expanders in your life truly is that. And that's, I think maybe like a determining factor if, if that gets to be your life partner or not. Yeah. So good. So tell me in this entrepreneurial journey, like, where are you now? What's going on? We, oh, where are we now? It's funny because we thought we were heading one way, one direction. So my husband, a couple of years ago, right after I was diagnosed with cancer, it kind of brings things a little bit closer, brings your end a little bit closer when you have a run-in with a potentially uh, terminal illness, right? So we made some uh, decisions a little quicker than we were going to, and we're like, okay, we're going to go into kind of this early retirement. We're going to step out of this like what we called our like active earning phase, right? Active building phase in businesses. We sold a couple of businesses. He became kind of retired, if you will. And then we were bought some properties. We're going to hang out in some, pro- you know, different province and then go be snowbirds and, you know, live a leisure life while we dabble in a few things. I was going to do some coaching because I'd been in transformation and change for years. And so I was going to do some online coaching. He was going to do some um, door consulting, blah, blah, blah. Uh, But that's not kind of how things have rolled out. Now, um, we are now back fully operational in one of our businesses. We have launched a coffee roasting business. And we have a new one that we're just starting to work on that we're really excited, which is more of a legacy business that we start up. So we, we have now decided that we are in full growth mode again but really Mm -hmm. with a very different both of us are coming with very different experiences and mindsets because Mm. he was owned a business for 45 years that was family run like he bought from his dad him and his dad started and blah 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 and it had a lot of it had a lot of stuff in it right so Mm -hmm. this is where we are now we are back in our growth and wealth building and legacy building and yeah, I'm really excited. And I just have to say, give a little bit of plug that one of the biggest, uh, I'll use the word expander just to stay on brand has <laughs> actually been for me has actually been including or integrating hypno breath work. When I said earlier in the interview about meditation, traditional meditation for someone like me, it's still not a good thing. I still don't do very well with traditional meditation. And this is a plug for hypno breathwork in general, the mastery app, you as a facilitator, me as a facilitator, it really is a game changer in helping bring down that nervous system, remove blocks, unseen blocks. You don't have to know them all to process them all, right? And it leaves you feeling just way more clear and energized and focused. And I would have to say that in the last kind of four, five months, that has really helped in that shift. Wow. Yeah. It is such, um, such a powerful thing. I would say it's a perfect fit for, for high performers for so many reasons, because it's hard to sit still in meditation, right? And because it's this observations of thought and as a high performer, you start to sit still and all the thoughts just start getting bombarded. And it's really hard to sit with those thoughts, even though that's the work and that's the practice, right? But you'll start to think that you're doing it wrong when you're doing meditation because that's just the nature of a high performer. I think it's the nature of human beings, but inside of hypno breath work, you can latch onto the breath as something to focus on. And then of course, as a high performer, we like to do things deeper, faster, all the things. So now you're flooding your body with oxygen and the more oxygen that comes in, the deeper you can go the more flow you experience, the more insights that come through. So it truly is, I think, perfectly designed for high performers. I 100%. I am like a junkie. When I tell, talk to people about it, they're like, Oh, stop talking about it. I'm like, seriously, dude, if you can't do meditation, getting still is probably one of the most valuable things you can do, but it's challenging because stillness brings, it's not even, it just brings you to new levels of awareness. And I feel really cliche saying it, especially after being 
the one that would be like, I don't even know. I don't understand what being still has to do with, you know, going forward. They seem to be like oppositional. Um, but for me, the hypno breath work, uh, combining that active part. So staying consciously active is very helpful, but also receiving the information and really letting my, letting those blocks that may be there that I may be aware of or not just flow through and getting new ideas and all just, it has been tremendous. So, I mean, use this as a plug, if you will, because it really has been a game changer for me in this awakened stage of that. I'm in. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, all in. You know, the minute I, I, my first experience, and I was, I was all in from, from, from that place forward. And I love that we, we share that both. Right. You're such a, a powerful facilitator. Uh, yeah, all of it. So, if you had just a few words of wisdom, I mean, I think, I mean, this whole entire episode is just packed jam-packed with words of wisdom from you but if you had one more nugget to share what would it be oh i i said be curious oh be curious like in everything be curious absolutely it's so good yep curious about the pain curious about the problem curious about all of the things yes and you know if you have, and, and the other thing is just take notice if somebody or more than one person is saying the same thing to you repeatedly, if you've heard the same message repeatedly, be curious. Yes. Be I, curious. <laughs> yes. I love that. Such, such good goodness inside of that, that little nugget of wisdom. Okay. So I know everyone listening is now just wanting to know how it is that they can continue this journey with you. So how can they get in your world? Really? I, most of my time is spent on Instagram. I know there's a million different types of platforms, but, um, uh, I'm on Instagram at Kimberly.Valerie. I do a lot of business and wealth mentoring. I've tried a few different things in the online space over the few years, but really leaning into and um, sitting into the business and wealth mentoring has been the best fit. Um, and so I do a lot of, uh, kind of in person. I love networking. So if you are in the networking, hook me up, get to me on Instagram, DM me. So we can just start from there. How's that? I love that. So you were doing something inside of Telegram, I think, right? Is that community yes. being built? Yes, I have, I have a little, I have a, it's a small little community. I um, was trying it out because I'm not really, uh, I'm not, I, you know, as somebody who has a lot of uh, businesses that I'm building and tending to and supporting other people and then just having, uh, you know, other parts of your life, I don't spend a lot of time on socials, right? And so I didn't want to have like a Facebook group that people were in and all that kind of stuff. So I thought, oh, maybe a little Telegram group chat. So when people want to get a little bit more uh, information around, you know, building business and wealth and all that kind of stuff, um, it's so it's a little bit more uh, personal. So I do have that. It's amazing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure it's going amazingly. So I will make sure both your Instagram handle and your Telegram community are inside of the show notes so that everyone listening can say hello, come learn from you, all the wisdom that you have to, to offer. So seriously, don't sleep on that. You guys go say hi, get into her world. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for just like sharing so vulnerably, so real, so raw and giving, giving everyone your time today. I appreciate you. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you and having the, being uh, open to have the conversation and having me on and yeah, I always like, how do you get to those high performers that are in denial? Those are the people that I want to get to, but they're in denial. They're hard to get to. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully this lands on some and resonates with some people that can reach out and get some help. Yeah. From you. yeah. I think that's a matter of trying to drop back in. What did you need to hear when you were in denial? What would have made a, a difference? I know. Right. I yeah. think back to that. And I was like, yeah, that, that's like nothing. <laughs> I know, because you're in denial. (laughs) Damn.
I don't know. Well, we'll have to breathe on that. I yes. feel like there might be an answer <laughs> an that answer we have there. yet to have uncovered. So. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much, Corey. Thank you so much. Uh, I will catch you on the next episode. If you like what you heard, stop, drop, and leave a five-star review and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. As always, the best way that you can thank our amazing guests is to share your biggest takeaway and then tag us on social media.